Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interests, where we are going to be discussing sovereign trends in Central America. My name is Shali Shadi, and I'm a managing director in the America's Sovereign Team. I'm happy to be joined by Carlos Morales, director in our sovereign team, who covers several countries in the region. So just by background, just like the rest of Latin America, countries in Central America are also facing severe headwinds from the U.S. and global recession and the spread of the coronavirus. Recession in Central America, widening public deficits, and rising public debt amid tighter financing constraints for some have led to negative rating pressures in the region. Four of the five countries in Central America are currently on negative outlook, and Guatemala, which is the only Central American country on stable outlook, was downgraded by one notch earlier this year. In the Central America portfolio, only Panama remains in investment grade, while Costa Rica, El Salvador, and Nicaragua are in the B category, and Guatemala is rated double B minus. So Carlos, let's explore some of the reasons behind the negative rating pressures we're seeing in Central America. In your view, what are the relevant channels of transmission and the implications of the adverse US and global growth picture for Central America? Thanks, Shelley. The key economic channel to Central America is remittance flows coming in from the US. These flows account for 21% of GDP for El Salvador, 14% for Guatemala, and 13% for Nicaragua. These flows typically support consumption, trade deficits, and government revenues. However, so far we've been positively surprised by the resiliency of remittances over the past months despite the record high employment loss in the US. The expected decline has been partly avoided by the US fiscal stimulus package. However, these flows remain highly vulnerable to US employment trends and fiscal policy. Even if remittances were to decline, we would not expect a material widening of current account deficits as these flows are partly used to purchase imported goods. The region is also exposed to lower external demand from trading partners. However, high import content of exports mitigate the impact on external accounts. Additionally, lower oil prices ease balance of payment pressures as these countries are net oil importers. Now, Panama is most vulnerable to global trade downturn and tensions between the US and China, given its position as a regional logistical hub and potential loss of transit through the Panama Canal, whereas Costa Rica is susceptible to lower high-value manufacturing demand, and we expect a long-lasting tourism shock. So now moving to the health pandemic, how badly has the Central American region been hit by the virus and how robust has the policy response been? And how are you thinking about recovery prospects in 2021? We're projecting economic contraction across the region in 2020. El Salvador and Panama with the deepest economic decline, ranging between 8% and 9%. Nicaragua and Costa Rica's economy are expected to contract by 4% and 5%, while Guatemala would be the least affected with a 2% decline. Weaker growth forecasts relative to previous estimates reflect the extension of lockdowns and limited success in containing the virus. Social distancing measures have not always prevented contagion due to high labor informality, limited social safety nets, and weaker public health systems. Although we forecast growth in all Central American sovereigns next year, it will not be sufficient to return to pre-pandemic GDP levels. We estimate growth rates between 2% and 5%, with Panama and El Salvador being the fastest growing after a deep contraction this year, and Costa Rica having a more modest recovery. However, risks to economic recovery remain tilted to the downside as a prolonged duration of the pandemic could lead to another period of restricted mobility, absent a COVID-19 vaccine. Now let's turn to public finances, Carlos. How is the fiscal picture evolving in the region, especially against the backdrop of already low revenue base in the region? 
Fiscal deterioration predates the health crisis and will remain a key post-pandemic rating driver, bearing in mind that public finances have been the key rating driver for our latest rating actions in Central America. The fiscal deficits are expected to reach between 6 and 11% of GDP, the widest deficit being in El Salvador. Nicaragua is an outlier with a deficit close to 2%, which is limited by the government's financing options. We're projecting an average debt increase of 11 percentage points of GDP in 2020, other than Nicaragua's debt burden, which will remain broadly stable due to narrower deficits. Costa Rica's persistently wide fiscal deficits and a fast-paced rising debt, El Salvador's reliance on shallow domestic capital markets for fiscal financing, coupled with one of the highest debt burdens in Latin America, and Nicaragua's limited financing options and tense political environment render these countries most vulnerable to the pandemic. Panama and Guatemala struggle with low tax collection, constraining their fiscal position, despite having lower debt burdens relative to rating peers. The economic shock is expected to lead to double-digit revenue contraction on both countries and a rise of fiscal deficits. In the case of Guatemala, a rather narrow budget limits the government's capacity to invest in infrastructure and social needs, and in the current context, health-related expenses. Let's also explore the financing side. Where are you seeing financing constraints developing and why is that? And how are you seeing the role of multilaterals in filling the financing gap and providing an anchor for future reforms? Going into the pandemic, the five Central American countries have rather uneven financing capacities. From Panama's ample access to international markets, to Costa Rica and El Salvador's political gridlock constraining external debt, and Nicaragua's restriction on multilateral debt due to U.S. sanctions. Costa Rican El Salvador governments require a two-thirds majority authorization in Congress for any external debt. This has prevented timely access to international markets and multilateral lending, and resulted in over-reliance on local market at relatively high costs. El Salvador's recent bond issuance last July reduced short-term liquidity risks. Nevertheless, the bond's high interest rate at 9.5%, coupled with limited domestic financing options, underscore how a high debt burden expected at 89% of GDP this year, higher interest burden and financing challenges raise questions around debt sustainability captured by our B- rating with a negative outlook. Costa Rica plans to rely heavily on multilateral institutions borrowing close to 5% of GDP in 2020, including a recently approved IMF loan. However, the government will have to rely on its domestic market to cover most of its 2021 financing needs. These are higher borrowing costs, which in turn constrains the government capacity to reduce its fiscal deficit. Costa Rica's government started negotiations with the IMF for a three-year $1.75 billion extended fund facility program to help address the pandemic's economic effect. If agreed, this program could open up further multilateral funding and serve as a fiscal anchor. Nevertheless, political gridlock is a material risk. Securing congressional approval for the IMF loan took four months despite the lack of conditionality and implementation risks remain around policy adjustment required under any future EFF agreement. Nicaragua's international financing and access to multilateral lending is constrained by U.S.-imposed sanctions. The U.S. government continues to sanction senior Nicaraguan officials, which complicate access to large-scale financing from the IMF and other Washington-based multilateral institutions. Nicaragua does not have any international bonds and has a relatively small domestic capital market. 
clearly, as we've discussed, there are multiple challenges being faced by Central American countries. So, Carlos, what are the key rating drivers you'll be focusing on to resolve the numerous negative outlooks in the region as countries emerge from the pandemic and begin to grow again in 2021? The key questions for Costa Rica, El Salvador and Nicaragua are on their capacity to meet 2021 financing requirements. These amid high funding needs for Costa Rica and El Salvador, while Nicaragua's lack of adequate local and external sources of funding makes it harder to finance higher deficits. We project fiscal deficits will remain elevated through next year, despite the expected economic recovery after the easing of containment measures. Debt sustainability concerns have increased for these countries as debt dynamics will continue to be adverse absent a strong fiscal response. In Panama and Guatemala, a credible fiscal plan to narrow down the fiscal deficit and boost tax collection will be our key focus going forward. Finally, Carlos, we really can't finish without discussing the implications of the impending U.S. election cycle for Central America, given the U.S. is the largest trading partner for the region and the top recipient of Central American migrants. So what policy changes would you expect under Vice President Biden should he win the presidency and how would that impact the region? That is a great question. It is early to tell what the priorities will be of an administration headed by Vice President Biden in case he wins the U.S. presidency. However, we would expect a more conciliatory rhetoric to international relations and he has pledged $4 billion to Central America on his campaign platform. Their intentions are to address the economic conditions that incentivize migration to the U.S., as well as fortify rule of law and control of corruption, also key constraints on sovereign ratings within the region. If so, there is potential to boost investment and foster economic growth and also improve governance in the Northern Triangle. But clearly, much will depend on implementation. Thanks a lot, Carlos, for your insights. Thank you for listening. And for more on Central America, you can access our research on our website, FitchRatings.com. Hope you join us for the next edition of Fixed Interest. Thank you.